Hey, what's up everybody? My name's MJ and you're listening to the MTG in Quarantine podcast, where our slogan is EDH, community, now and always. Before we begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. Also, before the show, I'd like to give a huge shout-out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at Patreon.com slash Quarantine. So a huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Bents, Anomaly, Draco Lucian, Neil Royal, Nick S., Infamous Fridge, Frugal Brutal, Jen of the Filthy MTG Casuals, Coach J-Row, and Geek Beardly for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash mtgingquarantine for more information. And if you're interested in getting your own MTG in quarantine branded playmat, whether that's the full color version or the cool monochrome version, they are now available for purchase over inkgaming.com. You can check those links out, including my affiliate link, Everything Helps the Channel, over at my link tree at link l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash mtg in quarantine all the links are there so definitely check that out if you would like to get your own playmat and on to the episode so uh as you all probably noticed recently i've been doing a lot of cdh content especially uh trying to get awesome people members of the community and cdh players to talk about some of the decks that they play on a regular basis and they feel like kind of define some of their favorite play styles so today's episode is going to be talking about the Timna the Weaver and Krom Ludovic's Opus list on the CDH deck database known as Blue Farm. But again, it's not just going to be me talking about Blue Farm to you for 20 minutes. I have an awesome guest here today introducing one half of Mental Misplay, Cyrus. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. No problem. But I'd be remiss to not give you an opportunity to pitch Mental Misplay since I just uh, mentioned them. So uh, do you want to tell the listeners where they can find y'all? Yeah, we uh, just got a website. You can find us at mentalmisplay.com. Yeah, Whoa. it goes to, to everything from there, which is pretty sweet. Um, we also have a link tree, but I think effectively everything is on the website. So yeah, mentalmisplay.com, and you'll find our Twitch and our Instagram and our Twitter accounts and our mox fields, all that good stuff. For sure, for sure. And we were definitely talking about before the show that now that you're on here, Cyrus, I'm going to have to get Alan on here at some point to talk about one of his decks. So it's, it's going to happen. Yep, got to complete the set. <laughs> Collect two of two. All right. Yep. <laughs> Achievement unlocked, right? Um, okay. So anyway, um, Cyrus, you mentioned before the show that you enjoy playing the blue farm list that is on the CDH deck database. So uh, if anyone's interested out there, I will be linking this in the show description. It is effectively the exact same list that is on the database, but it is a four-color CDH deck, so there's a lot to unpack here. So anyway, Cyrus, could you basically walk us through this deck, some of the key pieces, and then maybe some of the win cons? What exactly is this deck trying to do? All right, so Blue Farm is effectively Sands Green Turbo Adnaz, so... A lot of your game plan your when you're in your mulligans is looking for can I get that quick turn one, turn two, maybe turn three Adnaz. Uh, a lot of the deck is built to be able to do the main phase Adnaz, uh, so you're not waiting for the end of your opponent's like full other cycle. You're trying to cast Ad Nauseam 
really as quickly as you can. Um, and ad nauseum will lead you to one of your other win cons because the, the other win cons on the deck are compact, cheap, easy to cast, um, and things you can usually get. I mean, sometimes you can get the whole pile in hand off of the ad nauseum, or you'll have enough mana to tutor up the pieces that you didn't get, cast them all out. Um, so that's that's what the deck is really aiming to do, and then part of the strength of the deck is that it can always fall back on having two creatures in the command zone that both have a very important phrase in Magic the Gathering, draw a card on them. Um, that is, uh, so Krom, whenever your opponents cast their second spell of a turn, will draw you a card, and Timna, whenever you hit opponents, you can draw cards uh, equal to how many opponents you hit. There's some cards that key into that. Um, so that if it looks like the game's going to go long, you get your Adnaz countered and you have to dig for pieces manually, you have a really, really strong uh, plan B in the command zone. Yeah, I mean, Timna is definitely one of the all-stars of the CDH meta, and Krom is definitely also up there as well, because you're just getting so much card advantage, and the fact that you're running four colors gives you access to so much. Obviously, in, in the in the series here previously we've talked about one two or three color commanders this is really the first time that we've talked about having such a huge land base but also having to kind of worry about hitting your colors sometime too so uh obviously we have to worry about some of those things but again it gives you the flexibility to be able to run a lot more things than uh again the one two or three color decks just because you have those four colors in the command zone and just because you're you're running blue you're running black you have all of red's good stuff you have white's good stuff in here too so it's just like kind of the best of every color really yeah it's uh similar to something i say about playing Najila, which is a five color list which is just every time you draw a card you're like oh yes this is a great magic card <laughs> like the 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 card quality is incredibly high in the deck there's uh you're either hitting a like when you draw you're either drawing an answer to someone else's threat a card that directly progresses your game plan whether it's drawing more cards off of timna or getting to the ad nauseum or getting to a combo piece um or i mean those are really the two main things all your cards are really keyed into those two uh those two lines mm-hmm Speaking of combo pieces here, Cyrus, could you walk us through the main combo of this deck as well as some of the backup combos that this deck runs? Yeah, I it would be hard for me, I guess, to pinpoint exactly what the main combo is. The, the easiest combo to pull off, um, which is the same across a lot of CDH decks, uh, especially those with black and blue, obviously, is Thoracal, uh, Thassa's Oracle, and either Demonic Consultation or Tainted Pact uh, to empty your library and then cast Thassa's Oracle and win the game. Um, that's the most compact win con. You can sometimes just open hands where you're like, I have a bunch of fast mana and these two cards, or, you know, a, a tutor and one of the cards, and you can just play to try to get that out real quick. Um, but unlike decks like... Uh, decks that are just black and blue and have to rely pretty solely on that combo we also are running uh underworld breach as a sort of backup win con card that can get you to 
can it can go and get you to a win in a lot of different ways. It can either facilitate a storm turn where you're building up a high storm count with your mana rocks and your rituals and then brain freezing yourself so that you have a, all of your options and everything in the graveyard. Because um, the thing in CDH kind of is like, or that I've been thinking about lately too, is that like the Thassa's Oracle consultation combo is like very direct and very easy to pull off. But to a degree, it's almost redundant with certain decks uh, like Blue Farm to an extent because once you have everything in your graveyard and a breach out or everything in your hand through Adnaz, you can piece together a win in a lot of different ways with cards that are maybe more useful during the game than something like Thassa's Oracle. So along those lines with this deck, once you get breach out, uh, like I said, you can do brain freeze things to get more cards into your own graveyard so you can build your storm count high, higher and higher so that you can then later brain freeze all of your opponents out and then just pass around the table. Um, you can use combos like Dockside Extortionist and Grinding Station, which is one I really like because of its kind of weird interaction with the stack. Uh, Dockside Extortionist comes in, makes you a treasure token, uh, which is an artifact, importantly, for each artifact and enchantment your opponents control. The grinding station says whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, or actually it's whenever an artifact enters the battlefield, I think I don't think it isn't has to be under your control. But, I think uh, you're right on that. Yeah, whenever an artifact comes into play, period. Yeah, okay. so that that's pretty cool. That can sometimes come up. But, um, but yeah, so each of those treasures is going to trigger grinding station even if it's already untapped on the board when you play the dockside extortionist so then you get all of these grinding station triggers on the stack that you can respond to and take actions uh before letting each resolve uh, a main action obviously being tapping the grinding station sacrificing an artifact maybe even one of those treasures maybe something else to mill yourself usually since you're usually going for some sort of breach line um and then let the treasure token ETB resolve, or rather the grinding station uh, trigger resolve to untap the grinding station. So, like, a, a Dockside getting five treasures can mill you 15 cards right there because the grinding station will untap for each of those uh, artifacts coming into play. So that's a really cool way to fill your graveyard um, and maybe hit another... Uh, you, you can do this... Sorry, I'm trying not to branch into a million tangents. But the deck, <laughs> it's so interconnected, and there's all these different things that can work together that are really cool. Um, so let's say you don't have Breach in play, but you have the Grinding Station and a, a Dockside that's getting you five to seven treasures. You can just mill yourself trying to hit the Savine's Reclamation and an Underworld Breach, uh, because Savine's Reclamation has Flashback. Mm -hmm. um, so you can cast it from your Graveyard, to return two permanents with cost three or less, which happens to be Underworld Breach and maybe something like Lion's Eye Diamond, um, to start comboing off from there, because uh, Lion's Eye Diamond and Underworld Breach are uh, very good friends, essentially. <laughs> they'll, make, they'll make all the rest of the things happen as long as you have some other piece in there, like the Brain Freeze or the Grinding Station or a Wheel of Fortune. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to hear about uh, the the dock side bit there because I would think that they would all hit the battlefield simultaneously, but if they don't, that makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, and so it's it's a weird interaction because they do all hit the battlefield simultaneously, um, but they each trigger the grinding station, and those triggers stack up on the stack. Okay, um, that that's how that works. All right. Yeah. So they're all available to be sacrificed um, if it you know if there was some weird reason why it mattered to sacrifice one over another, which there almost never would be. But if there was, you could choose among the whole pool of treasures because they do all come in together. They just you know I always imagine the arena thing when you do something and a bunch of triggers happen, we're just like pew, 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 all the all the triggers go up on the stack. Um, that's what's happening there with the the extortionist. Wow, that. That's a very interesting, complicated game mechanic right there, I suppose, or interaction. Wow. You see, I learned something today. That's great. Yeah, and so I, a big part of why I like this deck is that, like, just looking at the deck list, you can, like, follow card to card all, all the way around it and just see how layered together all the combo pieces are. And then also you can step back and look at all of those combo pieces as individual cards and see that they're also all strong cards that you can just cast if you need to. Um, a grinding station can come out and put all of your opponents off of tutors that put cards to the top of their deck. Mm -hmm. Like if, if grinding station's out, they can't safely do that because you just be like, you know what? I can't let you have that card because it will end the game. So I'll sack the grinding station to itself and mill you three cards so you don't get that card you just vampiric tutored for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that that's a very interesting interaction there. I guess I didn't think about that, but yeah, that works real well. Wow. Huh. Yeah, I did learn something here. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you, you mentioned that you were pretty much playing the stock list here, Cyrus. Um, but I guess my question is, if you were to deviate from this list a little bit, what would you put in? And maybe what are some of the cards you would take out, just out of curiosity? Yeah, that's a good question, because... Um... Like you mentioned with the four colors, uh, these four colors are so good and have so many good cards that, um, you know, a hundred card deck can't even fit all of the good stuff from those colors. So you are making some concessions here and there. Um, I'd say as a general piece of advice, like if someone else were looking at Blue Farm and thinking about, you know, making changes... Um, or the kind of changes I would make, I guess, would mostly be in the interaction package, which mm -hmm. is pretty uh, a pretty dense package. You got you know everything from dispel to like miscast. Those those sorts of cards are kind of things you want to think about your meta. And if your meta is nice and small, maybe you play with four to five people, and maybe they're all or you know a majority of them are on Najila and Godo and decks that don't really cast a bunch of instants and sorceries, you could ditch those and run a, a spicy card that I like to run is uh, Horribly Awry, which is some uh, Sage of Fables tech that you turned me on to. Um, it counters a creature, only a creature with cost three or less, so it doesn't hit Goto, but um, can hit, like, Najila and Doxai Extortionist, very importantly, and exiles the card that it hits. So it's really for Doxides more than anything. So if you have a Doxai Extortionist heavy meta, which essentially, like, almost everyone does, <laughs> that I, in CDH, like, if you're playing against red decks, they are running Doxide. So Horribly Awry can do some funny things. Uh, it can really mess up some decks like Corvold Treasure Storm, which 
relies on the dockside interaction to make Corvold huge and draw a ton of cards and all that kind of stuff and basically do their storm thing. So you exile him and you're, you know, you've got some time to uh, breathe. I mean, it can also hit other stuff like cards we're running, like uh, Grand Abolisher, Opposition Agent, Sarah Ascendant even, which is a, a, a spicy card for sure. It's one of those that can just come down turn one and turn the tide of the whole game. Um, besides that, I guess another sort of CDH meta call that you'll see a lot of decks going back and forth on is either running Monomic Betrayal or Praetor's Grasp. Um, this list is on Monomic Betrayal right now. Um, I might be incorrect in kind of putting those cards on like opposite sides of the coin, but I tend to only see one of those two cards in a list. Uh, I like Monomic Betrayal because it's the oops, the game went on too long card. Like, uh, you know, lots of counter spells were happening, maybe some stacks were happening. A lot of important pieces aren't everyone's graveyards. So Monomic Betrayal gives you just a huge wealth of options. Um, I forget who I heard say this, but someone was like, it's turn six and you cast Monomic Betrayal, you should win the game. Like, that's basically, like, you just, the other decks you're playing against are going to be on just as high a card quality as you most of the time. So if you get one of those going, uh, it, it can usually turn the tide. And for those who don't know, it exiles everyone's uh, graveyards and you can cast those cards for that turn and you don't have to worry about uh, mana you can spend mana as if it's any color for that one so that one's really good and the flip side would be the praetor's grasp which you can run to kind of either ankle shoot like some strategies like you can pull it exiles a card from an opponent's library and then you can play that card so you can either pick off other people's win cons or use it as essentially another tutor for a thassus oracle or a demonic consultation or whatever a sort of similar like a game went too long my pieces got countered or messed with so i need to steal one from an opponent but less less good for as long a game as monomic betrayal is good for i guess it's it's better in the four or five range i'd say than the six seven turn range like betrayal so that's that's really all I have for changes. I I stick mostly to the stock list just because um it's well curated and I usually only play this deck when I'm getting kind of tired of playing my more like uh fringy kind of decks that I mostly play because I mostly play on stream where people are like enjoying kind of more spicy and off the wall kind of decks. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm wanting to play like my favorite on meta deck, I play blue farm and uh, I want to mostly be playing what is like known to be good so that I can't like blame the deck. And I know that I've just done something wrong. If, <laughs> if something goes, uh, goes amiss. For sure. For sure. I mean, I, I have my own janky fringe homebrew that I know the listeners out there are probably sick of me talking about all the time. But yeah, it's good to have those kinds of decks. You can just sit back. You know how to play. Just plop them down, get your opening hand, and you already know exactly what you're trying to do out of it. It's just it's that sense of certainty really helps, especially in CDH. 100 percent. Yes, exactly. 
All right, Cyrus, before I let you go today, uh, could you give us a quick elevator pitch for Blue Farm? Effectively, if the listeners out there are interested in trying out Blue Farm, or just to get them interested in trying out Blue Farm, what would you say for, to them as far as like some advice on how to get started, or you know, just some general tips on how to play the deck? I would say it's I, I don't have an elevator pitch prepared. I will say that. <laughs> so hopefully I don't ramble too long here either. But um, it's just a really high card quality deck. So if you want to play a deck where you know that all the cards in it are working towards your main goals and there's no real frills, there's no real anything extra to it. It's just good cards trying to get there. Um, definitely try out Blue Farm. And one of my main uh, points as to why I like to play it over other Turbo Adnaz strategies, like something like maybe um, Rograk and Silas is another like very fast Adnaz deck. Um, I prefer Blue Farm because it has such a strong fallback plan. Like if you get messed up, you're not stuck casting like a two or four cost rog rack and going like uh oh you're you're getting to cast two of the strongest commanders in the game timnar Krom. they're going to refill your hand they're going to get you back in the game you're going to have a lot less of those games where you feel like oh i just got stuffed and there was nothing i could do after turn x when someone interacted with me you'll always have relevant spells and you'll always have uh, a hand in the game for sure, and it really helps the fact that you can bring you can bring the lumber a little bit with a few of these creatures too. I think mm -hmm. everyone forgets that Krom is a four four with flying. I mean that's always relevant. Sarah Ascendant's in here, Loyal Apprentice is in here, kind of for the same reason. It's just you're able to get a lot of uh, Timna triggers here. But again, if you have to close out a game, you do have a few options in this deck. Grim Hireling's really good for this as well. Um, being able to blow up your opponent's creatures, which is also just nice removal too. So yeah, it, it's really good to see how flexible this deck is. So my advice for anyone who is playing or is interested in playing this is if you like having multiple win cons, if you like having four colors, if you like being able to play with two powerful commanders, but also if you like having kind of a nice deck that can do well at turbo speed, but can also kind of grind out value in the mid to late game, I think this is definitely a good deck to start uh at least take a stab at it and just see if you like it. Yeah, I agree completely. It, it checks all the boxes for me. And yeah, having that plan C Crom uh, beats is uh, never bad. It's always good to have a commander that can get there if he has to. Oh yeah, I, I'm i a big combat beats guy personally. So I just love having the opportunity to bring the lumber if I absolutely have to. If I'm out of other options it, it's nice to be able to just turn a creature sideways and beat someone's face in with it once in a while, yeah. too. So, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate this, Cyrus. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Hey, no problem. This was super, super fun. And again, before I let you go, where can people find Mental Misplay? Head to mentalmisplay.com. You'll find everything else there. And, uh... Definitely hop in our Discord. It is a, a fun place to chill. We got all sorts of rooms for different video games and just it's like a whole a whole place. So uh, definitely check that out. And yeah, all the other stuff on the website. Awesome. Awesome.
And if you're interested in hearing any of the other CDH deck techs or any of the CDH episodes I've done general or just any of the episodes I've done on the MTG and Quarantine podcast, you can find those on the usual podcast outlets. That is your Googles, Apple, Spotify, Player FM, Rocketcast, Pocketcast, Overcast, Breaker, Radio FM, and, and, and Podchaser and a few other ones. But wherever you can find your podcast, the odds are you can find mine. And you can find me on the Twitters at, at MTG in Quarantine. I'd like to utilize this opportunity to give another huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who supported me over at patreon.com slash MTG in quarantine. So thank you to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Draco Lucian, Neil Royal, Nick S, Infamous Fridge, Frugal Brutal, Jen of the Filthy MTG Casuals, Coach J. Rowe, and Geek Beardly for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash MTG in quarantine for more information. And if you're interested in picking up your own MTG in quarantine brand deployment, you can now find those over at Inked Gaming. You can find the links in the, my link tree at linktr.ee dot slash MTG in quarantine to my affiliate, as well as my artist profile on there. You can click on the affiliate uh, affiliate link on there and then hopefully buy a playmat and then some of the proceeds of that will go back to the channel is greatly appreciated. Well, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.